Hey folks, my name is Jason Spies and I travel across these great states talking to small business owners, CEOs, policymakers, musicians and mentors about making money, giving back and balancing life. I find out how they prioritize professional and personal time while still making money. Yes indeed, our guests are real heavyweights in understanding business and life. So get ready to relax, learn a little bit, and get a cup of coffee ready because my name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation this week on Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Coffee and Capitalism Radio brings you exclusive interviews and distinct content from leaders who drive our economy, from CEOs to small business owners to mentors. Coffee and Capitalism is a leader in innovation, ideas, and inspiration. We're all about making money and giving back. We learn the fine art of balancing work and family life, all while prioritizing your time. And I'd like to take this moment to thank you folks for choosing Coffee and Capitalism. We know that there's a lot of different places to get your content, and there is a lot of content out there. So I appreciate you tuning in here on this radio program and podcast. Also, choosing Coffee and Capitalism Radio, a place how to learn, how to live life, and make money. Now on today's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we got a fantastic program. We talk with Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. Sit down with her. They have a new workforce study and talks about the uh, just thousands and thousands of jobs available up in the North Dakota oil patch and uh, surrounding area. Of course, the oil and gas industries had quite an impact and a ripple through the entire region up there in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, and Minnesota. We talk with Michelle Comer about that, uh, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. And then we talk with Dr. Neil Barnard, founding president for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. He's always got some great uh, insight when it comes to the holiday time in the alternative food industry. He promotes a vegan diet. And of course, that is a very uh, popular uh, growing industry. And uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, he's been doing it for a long, long time, 20 some years. Uh, he's uh, like the godfather of the uh, of vegan voice, so to speak. So uh, he talks a little bit about that industry. And then uh, Tiffany Steiner, API Dickinson, they have their uh, annual Christmas party coming up, holiday party. And we talk with her about that as well as what API Dickinson does for the local community. All that plus much more on today's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 
Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Tiffany Steiner with API Dickinson. Tiffany Steiner, API Board. Tis the season for holiday parties, so we got to check in with the API Group to find out what's going on. Uh, I know they have an annual party every year, so Tiffany Steiner, what's going on this year with the API Group? No, we're really excited. We're having our annual Christmas party um, coming up on December 1st, which is at the Ramada in, the, in Dickinson, North Dakota. Um, we start at 6 o'clock with a social, which is sponsored by Industrial Electric. 7 o'clock, we have dinner, which is really good because Ramada always has amazing food. And we're doing deep fried turkey and ham. And it is $35 in advance to pay for tickets and 40 at the door. And is, um, is this, um, I'm sorry, is this in Dickinson? Is that right? Yes, correct. It's at the uh, Ramada Grand Dakota Lodge in Dickinson. Sure, okay. And um, uh, live entertainment this year? Yes, yeah, so after dinner at 8 o'clock, we have Stada. And they are such a fun band. They get everyone out on the dance floor. I know last year people stayed till the end and danced all night long. Sawdust. So it was a lot of fun. Sawdust, they're kind of a, a, a popular band around town. I know they were at the Bakken Barbecue last year, too. Yeah, and they were just there a lot of fun, and they do a lot of fun music and all that kind of stuff. Um, a huge shout-out to Wyoming Casing because they sponsor the band for us. Um, and then anything after 8 o'clock on, on to 1 a.m., we have a limo service. So anyone that wants to take a limo home, if they've had a couple of drinks, um, we definitely encourage to take that, and that's sponsored by Barranco Brothers. And that's a that's a free service, right? I mean, is yes. it, I mean, obviously, you should probably t- tip the driver type of a thing. I, you know, that's something I'll say. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but is that uh, is that free? Is that right? Yes, it's free, but definitely tip the driver because he is such a great guy, and he has a lot of fun with our members as well. But uh, Bronco Brothers does a great thing by sponsoring that and giving that to everyone that needs a ride home that night. We all want to get home safely. And what's the uh, uh, time frame on this event again? So the social starts at 6, dinner is 7, and then the band is at 8 o'clock. Okay, this is for the API Christmas party. It's not. There's not like an annual meeting. They're not going to go over the budgets or anything like that. This is just uh, no, come have some dinner no, and party no a little bit. No chatting about minutes or anything. It's all about fun, and we do a lot of prizes. Uh, we're giving away Viking tickets. Um, a gun, which I'm trying to think, we have a bunch of gift baskets, you know, brick house, gift card, all that kind of fun stuff. So you pay $35 in advance, you get a great meal, you get an hour for a sponsored social, and then live music and a bunch of prizes. So I don't know how you go wrong there. And what, what's API all about? Uh, just talk to me a little bit about the organization and how people can possibly join if they're not members. So the API organization is the American Petroleum Institute. What we do is we get together monthly from September to May, and we have industry speakers. So Kathy Nesset, Ron Ness, Lynn Helms. So they come out to our meetings, and they talk about what's going on in the oil field. So we have a social, a dinner, and a speaker. 
once a month. The nice thing is uh, you pay $20 for the meal to get in. And then after that, you just have to pay a yearly a yearly membership of $30. So this is all individual. It's not company. So we encourage employees uh, in the industry to come out and meet, and meet people. And it's just kind of a fun night to be with other industry-related people. And you guys do more than the Christmas party. Um, I know there's um, a gumbo event. Uh, how many events or just kind of talk about a couple of the events that you guys do? So the fun thing we do, we try to stay very active in the community. We do the Christmas party, which we give back to our members. Gumbo, which is a big thing in Dickinson, we have over 1,500 people attend. Um, a bunch of companies get together and they all cook gumbo and people can pay at the door to get in and come try all the gumbo they want. Um, we also do a catfish fry and a golf tournament. Um, so there's a bunch of things that we do throughout the year that we host. But we also support, you know, like the Rock and Barbecue or the Tricker Trunk downtown Dickinson. So listen to the film, so I My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee Capitalism Radio. Heard of the Food Life Radio. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. Michelle Comer, and my title is Labor Commissioner for the North Dakota Department of Labor and Human Rights and Executive Director of Job Service North Dakota. You're both of those things? I have two jobs. Okay, so we, we hit the jackpot here because we get the <laughs> Labor Commissioner. That's all I'm writing. I'm not continuing on with that rest. Um, and then the... The executive director for? Job Service North Dakota. Job Service North Dakota. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is this new study that came out um, that reflects what's going on in the oil patch or it reflects what needs to be done out in the oil patch. And then we'll kind of uh, offshoot from there. But just kind of an overview a little bit, um, you know, not war and peace, but maybe a little bit more than an elevator pitch. What's this study all about? Sure. So... What we have here is the result of many months of work of the Workforce Development Council, which is the council that's made up of 32 members, 21 from the private sector, diverse in terms of geography and industry, as well as representatives from organized labor. We have legislators on the council. We have elected officials from local government on the council, and we also have state agency partners on the council. And we've been working for a number of months, gathering information through studies, data, evidence, employer surveys 
surveys, stakeholder interviews, as much information as we could consume to have a very deep and specific understanding of North Dakota's workforce needs. And what we have today, and, and we submitted it to Governor Burgum on October 24th, is a report of recommendations that is the result of all that work. I, I like to think of it as a conclusion in some ways of a chapter, but it's really just a milestone mm -hmm. because, of course, what happens next is the important part of the story. So is there a you know, a couple top themes, trends, something that stood out as far as what is needed for the workforce uh, or, or what needs to be done or something yes. like that? Yeah, there sure is. So if we were to identify themes, which we have in the report, which can be located on the governor's website, there are five themes. And oh. one, one of them is the technical skills gap. And I'd love to talk more about that if we have a chance. Two is the need for youth engagement and earlier and more diverse career exploration at an earlier age. Third is the nursing and healthcare technician shortage in North Dakota. Um, fourth, support for people with barriers to employment. We have North Dakotans that aren't working. While we have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the nation and the highest labor market participation rates, we do have folks in North Dakota today that aren't working. And then fifth, um, it's a numbers game, it's math, and in some ways, uh, we like math because it adds up or it doesn't. And in this case, we simply have more jobs in North Dakota than we have people. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even touch on whether they have the skills needed to do the work. It's a numbers game. We don't have enough people people here to do the jobs we have open today and that we project that we'll have open. So we need to have a strategy around that. And one of the reasons why I think this is a, an important study and it relates to oil and gas is because um, oil and gas is one of, I call them the kings of the economy. They just, they they have such a, uh, economic engine going that, in fact, they're the only industry to produce a net gain of jobs the last 10 years, the mining industry, which is what oil and gas is considered in. Um, so when I hear the technical skills gap, when I hear the nursing healthcare shortage, um, these are things that are directly related to oil and gas. Uh, One Oak just donated, you know, a million dollars to help out the Watford City Hospital. That shows you how much oil and gas considers healthcare and nursing a need. Um, what's been going on in the world of fracking uh, is technical. And that world has changed. In fact, five years ago, we used to joke on this program and say, these guys aren't slinging chains anymore. These aren't the same oil field workers. Uh, I heard Ron Ness um, recently talk about how these are more office jobs now. You mentioned you, you met with Ron Ness, and that actually is one of the reasons why this report came to be. Or it was influenced, or Ron had an involvement with a different well, study, or yeah. So you know, of course, tie in the oil and gas yeah, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as you just described, you know, we know that this industry employs today over sixty thousand people, maybe close to seventy thousand, and we know that number is going to be significantly bigger in the future. We also know from working with um, members of that industry, including Ron that as you just pointed out, the jobs that are coming to North Dakota today in contrast to five years ago are jobs that bring permanent residents rather mm -hmm. than transient residents. They're jobs that require technical skills that, um, that, that may support the idea that people bring their families here, which creates another set of challenges in terms of housing and education and infrastructure. And so, you know, to the extent that we want to continue the growth and success of that industry, 
uh, in North Dakota, we have to be having this conversation. So it was, it, I mean, it was absolutely a driver. But you know what we've learned over the last 11 months is that the oil and gas industry is not the only industry that's suffering for trained and talented workforce. And so it is a key issue for our state. It is a key issue, probably the number one issue for our continued economic success and our failure to address it is going to have consequences. Well, I look at the technical side and I see, okay, we've got a lot more remote sensors now and we have a lot more algorithms and that sort of thing. And then we're going to get into the UAS part of life too, and that's going to be directly um, integrated into oil and gas on a number of different things from surveillance to uh, pipeline detection to just going up and checking on top of buildings to make sure things are there. So there's a lot of applications for it. But NDSU plays such a key role, North Dakota State University, in the technical side of things. Was that at all addressed in, in your studies? Is that talked about how, you know, we've got one of the top universities for UAS and, and they're gaining on energy algorithms, if you will. Um, is there a a study or a plan or a discussion at all with NDSU and then also satisfying that workforce? Well, what you'll find in the report is a pretty deep discussion about the technical skills gap. And what we mean when we when we say that is we very purposefully relanguaged what some people call a middle skills gap. You hear that across America, frankly. And we learned that that was one of the initial challenges, right, is what parent strives for their child to have a middle skills job, when in fact, the jobs that you just spoke of and the jobs that we are aware are available today and will be in the future are highly technical jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what we looked at as part of this process is what are the jobs today? What are they going to be tomorrow? Where in North Dakota do we have programs that satisfy those needs? Where are there gaps? And, and in, you know, in general, what we learned from that is that um, you, know, you can't talk about workforce without talking about education. They're inextricably linked. And that's where the theme came up um, about needing to get into the school system earlier. And we're talking the K-12 system and, and exposing kids to what opportunities are available to them, helping them understand what their skills, strengths, gifts, talents, aspirations may be in the context of these jobs that are available and then um, taking into consideration the today and the tomorrow. So I heard a statistic that 70% of kindergartners today will have jobs that don't exist today. So what are sure. we doing to train them in terms of not a particular job, but to have skills that are translatable, critical thinking, problem solving, communication, um, systems hmm. thinking. And so to more directly answer your question, which I like to do, we didn't get into you know what specific program is where and having you know a significant impact or success, but rather more generally, how are we going to address this technical mm -hmm. skills gap that exists today, and and make plans to support those programs, to build those programs, to acknowledge that they're an important part of the path forward. Sounds like um, the way I interpreted that is that there's going to be a fleshing out of what the educational core is going to be because how do you train somebody for a job that doesn't exist? Well, there's got to be some sort of similarity, some sort of core that exists within all the jobs, whether it's math, science, you know, that the STEM. And STEM seems to be the direction right now that is, is where we landed on that will allow kids to have an opportunity to go a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. um, what was I, I was going to ask you about 
Uh, one of the things that we've been talking about on this program for probably four years now, uh, maybe five, is the two-year degree and the four-year degree. Um, four or five years ago, I, I said, you know, I don't think I'd want my kid to go to a four-year school unless they were going to be an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, which I understand is an eight-year school, but you know, unless it's a specialized profession that you want to go do, I, I don't know if I would do that. I would go get your CDL license, go get your you know artificial engineering training at the local tech school for a year, year and a half. It just seemed like there was a renaissance opportunity for trade. Was, is that a technical? Is that a health? Is that is that a that would be healthcare too? That is because of registered nurses. You bet it is. T talk to me about your your reaction to what I just told you about as a parent. Yeah. I don't know if I want my kid going to a four year school unless he knows exactly what he wants to be. You bet. Well, I'm smiling as I listen to you because that is directly addressed here. Oh. And I'm also smiling because we say kind of tongue in cheek. Hey, all we need to do is change a 40-year-old paradigm. Michelle Comer, North Dakota Labor Commissioner, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a quick pause, and when we come back, we're going to rejoin our conversation with Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm smoking, I'm joking with the people that I know. I'm thinking, I'm drinking, I'm Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we continue our conversation with Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. This is Michelle Comer. All we need to do is change a 40-year-old paradigm <laughs> that says that you have to go to get a four-year degree to get a good mm -hmm. job. And it's as much the parents, if not more. It's you and I, like you just said, as it is the kids and helping them be aware of what these opportunities are. And then it's recognizing um, the shift in the cost of education today versus 10 or 12 or 15 years ago. And that today, um, you know, getting a general liberal arts degree can cause a child student to incur, you know, a fair amount of debt. 
Um, and whereas a technical degree, degree today, in many cases, you can have paid for by an employer who's really aching mm-hmm. for workforce, right? So you graduate with a technical degree, and just to be clear, these can be in the trades, but they can also be in healthcare. They are many, as we've learned through this process, are highly technical jobs. And um, you can graduate with no debt. You can walk out of school. And I've heard story after story, not just anecdotes, but real stories here in North Dakota where you graduate with no debt. You're age 20 and you're making $50,000, $60,000. Whereas with a four-year general liberal arts degree, you may struggle mm-hmm. to find that job and you may struggle to make $30,000 a year. And you now have X amount of dollars in student debt. So. We're not trying to encourage or discourage four-year degrees. That's not the message here. But we do want to raise awareness for parents like you and I that there are the options. And we want to make uh, make that known to our students, too, that, you know, the stereotype that has perpetuated in our entire country over the last course of the last 40 years is no longer true. And to illustrate, in my mind, and I am not the creative type, I like data analytics, math, and science, but in my mind, I picture a split screen and let's call it a YouTube video, not TV. And on each side you have, you know, on one side you have a young man who's standing in front of a nice house with a three car garage and nice car. Other side of the screen, young woman, same exact scenario, right? And you start flashing up on the screen. Okay, so John went to get his four-year degree, graduated with $45,000 in debt. Here's his mortgage payment. Here's his house payment. Here's his starting salary. You get in the red pretty quick. Then start adding up savings that you're not saving for your retirement because of that scenario. And on the other side, the young woman's, you know, um, went to a tech school, has no debt, same house payment, same car payment. Um, And then to cap it off, you know, we watch him in our screen drive to his job in a suit and tie as a junior lender Mm -hmm. at a bank. And this is the paradigm that I have for my kids. Maybe you do too. Maybe others do, right? Um, and, And we watch her get in her car and drive to her job as a technician in a manufacturing plant, except the view blows up our stereotype of what that means. I've been to these plants. They're white and gleaming and clean. And, and she goes to work as a, as a high-tech welder in a room that looks more like a mainframe. Uh, I'm aging myself, but let's call it a computer a computer room. You know, it, uh, it, more, it looks more like NASA, you right, know? Right. And, and that's the message that I think we really have to help our students receive. Uh, that's what we have to help our parents understand. I'm included in that. In the course of the last 11 months, um, I have three kids, a senior in high school, a junior in high school, and a sixth grader. And um, I was preparing to do a speech, um, the title of which was Good Jobs That Pay Without a BA, only because it rhymed. I meant mm-hmm. all bachelor's mm-hmm. degrees. And my husband came into the den and he, you know, what are you doing? I told him I was doing. And he kind of smirked and he said, so you'd be all right with the girls going to a tech school. And it was the moment of truth because at this point now I've done all this research. I understand the real life situation, the jobs available here, what they look like. I've been and visited many of these places where these jobs exist. And I, I gulped and I said, absolutely. But that would not have been true had I not been so deeply immersed in this work. And that's what we have to find a way to share with others. Well, you said it right. It's a 40-year-old mindset that needs to be changed. And um, I've had this conversation with multiple people over the past five years. Um, The one that comes to mind is Brian Lash. He owned Target Logistics. Oh, yeah. Um, They 
basically put housing out in the oil patch, temporary housing. They did the Olympics. Halliburton's a client of theirs. I mean, that sort of thing. And um, we would talk about how you're 20 years old, you're done with your education, you're making fifty dollars to $70,000 a year, you're not adding more debt on like a college kid would like I don't I know they banned the credit cards from the college campuses or at least they tried but think of how many people they go to college they get a credit card the bar tabs the dinners out the McDonald's breakfast sandwich the next morning you soak it all up you put it all in your credit card right yeah and so not only do you have a student loan debt but you have a credit card debt or you have you have a lot more of that type of debt but when you're 20 and you, you get you, all of a sudden you're, you're making 50 to 75 as a, a diesel mechanic or a CDL license, whatever, you're in a world of responsibility. So you're not bringing on that ancillary debt. So we talk about that a little bit. But then we talk about, you know what, after five years, you got 50 to 100 grand saved up. Yes. Now you can go start a subway. Now, now you can go start your, your, your art project store that you wanted to start up. Whatever your dream is. Yeah. And guess what? You always have a fallback. Absolutely. You have a fallback. Yeah. And so th- these were, in, and these are uh, not only Brian Lash, but several other oil and, and gas executives because they see it. Yeah. And their mindset has changed to where they would have, you know, 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have said that. You know, you would have said, no, I want you to get a four-year degree, that sort of thing. And that, and that actually would have been the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. But now there's options out there. And, you know, the, the, the trades didn't have the opportunity that they had now. Yeah. I mean, artificial intelligence has changed the trades. And when you got energy using it and ag using it and healthcare using it and everybody seemed to use it, let's talk about that healthcare for a second. Sure. Um, what did your study find that was needed for healthcare? Sure. So we went into this knowing that there's been a nursing shortage for 25 years. So, um, you know, had we come out of this and said, hey, there's a nursing shortage, we would have had a lot of people say, thanks, Captain Obvious. We knew that, right? Right. And we did. But what's... Dennis, too. Yeah. Yeah. But what's different mm-hmm. about today's healthcare shortage um, is really two things, and it has to do with the generational shift. We've got... A, a generation of well every profession but it's it's hitting us hard in healthcare of nurses retiring but simultaneously we are becoming greater users of healthcare as the baby boomer generation gets older so mm-hmm. when you look at you know um, line graphs you see that trend and it's making this shortage all the more critical and acute not to mention um, it's particularly acute in rural North Dakota. So, but the one thing that we learned, and not the one thing, we learned a lot of different things through this, but one thing that really stood out to us um, was that even if we solved the nursing shortage in North Dakota, you still can't keep your emergency room open or your critical care hospital open if you don't have x-ray technicians, if you don't have radiology technicians. Okay. And so the healthcare tech jobs really, um, that, that became evident to us, thanks to all the folks that were involved in this that we worked with and interviewed through this process. You know, they said, don't forget this. Even if I solve this nursing problem, there are still these jobs. Well, and as you pointed out, this points straight back to the tech technical skills gap, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those jobs are attainable with a two-year degree. And um, there we found, to some extent, um, we compared the programs available in North Dakota to educate um, in the areas where we have shortages. And 
we do have some gaps there. And, and that's when, you know, a level of detail that we got to get in to say, hey, you know, there may be an opportunity here to have a program, to develop a program that meets this need. To listen to the full-length interview with Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner, or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network, and we have a nice, big social media audience, 350,000 followers. If you'd like to join our robust and ever-growing social media audience and like to follow us, subscribe, share, do all that social media stuff, go to thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Got your mind blown Mind blown, your mind blown I'll show you something that's never been shown Your mind blown, your mind blown And that's all you need to know Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. You feel a little dizzy. You're talking kind of silly like you have plans to save the world. To get your mind blown Mind blown, your mind blown I'll show you something that's Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thoughts on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Dr. Neil Barnard, founding president for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Is it, is it just a plant-based diet, or is there more to it uh, with, with the terms? I'm kind of getting them uh, mixed up these days. Well, I, I think to make it turn sweet, vegan means you don't eat animal, don't eat animal products. So a vegan diet doesn't have any meat in it at all. No meat, no fish. Also, no dairy products or eggs, but, but that's really it. Um, 
some people will use the will extend the word to mean not wearing leather products, for example. But I think from the standpoint of food, it just really means you don't you don't eat animal products. And through the years of our interviewing, uh, you and I, I've kind of come to, I guess, understand it, not from the ethical standpoint, because I do, I do understand what you're talking about. A lot of people look at it as a life is a life, and therefore they're not going to um, t- take that on uh, in their body type of a thing. But then there's, you've, you've kind of taught me through the years, is really a scientific, almost down to the molecular side of things. Talk to me about some of your research and what you've uncovered with, uh, whether it be the carcinogens or, or the, um, I don't know, the, the cancer receptor cells. Just, I'm thinking of a few things in the past that we've talked about to where you've been able to make me understand it on a molecular level. So talk to me about the scientific approach to the uh, uh, vegan plant-based diet. Sure. Um, to make it kind of simple, just for starters, um, imagine your car. If your car takes unleaded and it runs really well that way and then suddenly you start putting diesel fuel in it, it's not going to accelerate well. The exhaust is going to look bad. The performance is going to be bad. It's just not right because that's not its right fuel. Well, if you look at the kinds of fuel, in quotes, that the human body is designed for, we can take some clues from, from nature. Human beings are great apes, whether we like to admit it or not. That's our biological category. And we share that group with gorillas and orangutans and bonobos and chimpanzees. And they are largely or in some cases exclusively plant-based. That means they eat plants, they're not eating steak sandwiches, and they're not eating shrimp, and they're not eating fish, and that kind of thing. If we put meat into the human body, things happen that that we never associated with food. Uh, We thought were just caused by other things. But, for example, I mean heart attack. The cause of death of most people is a heart attack. And those, that would be much, much, much less common if we didn't put meat and cheese and eggs into our diet because the fat and the cholesterol in those things causes arterial damage. And as the arteries uh, are damaged, you can have a heart attack as a result. Same with a stroke. Uh, diabetes is caused also by a, an animal-based diet um, simply because the fats that are in these foods get into the cells and cause insulin to not function anymore and cause a person to be intolerant then to natural sugars and carbohydrates. Uh, meats also, when they're cooked, produce carcinogens. That means chem- uh, cancer-causing chemicals that increase the risk of several forms of that disease. And there are many, many other ways in which diets can affect our health. But the bottom line is that even though we all grew up with meat eating, at least certainly I did as a kid in Fargo, and most everybody else did too, um, the fact is our bodies are really not designed for that. They're designed for healthier foods. And if we eat healthier foods, then these diseases that tend to occur in mid and later life would be much less likely to occur. Well, um, hopefully people are intrigued about the idea of, of trying a vegan diet, but they're also a little bit nervous and thinking, should I really do this? They might be skeptical. Uh, don't feel a need to give up your skepticism. Here's what I'd suggest you do. If you would like to lose weight, if you would like to reverse your diabetes or improve it, if you'd like to bring down your blood cholesterol or your blood pressure, if you'd like to have your joints feel better or improve your athletic performance, test out a vegan diet and see what it'll do. To listen to the full-length interview with Dr. Neil Barnard, founding president for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, or to listen to other 
Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All the social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Giving your stuff away, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market, you can make a million too. Minnie's a crooked woman, diamonds on every hand. Tricking mother for you everywhere she lands, why don't you do now? You can make a million Jump over the candlestick. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. And that concludes this week's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. For a full list of today's guest and interview, visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week on this radio station at this time. For a full list of our radio affiliates and other media partners, please visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and from the staff here at Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we're asking you to be happy, make money, and give back. 
Thanks for joining us this week, folks. Sign on our front porch saying, hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million, too. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. 